1: sharp angle shot, he scores! Here's Siebert, great right circle, fires, he scores! Minutes, oh, he's leveled by Andrew Shaw with a thunderous check. Here's a loose bucket from the score! It's five! He scores! The
0: it's time for another episode of Blackhawks Crazy.
1: Presented by FanList. Kemp kicks it to a stick in front, came over to side, put it to Kubalik and shoots, he scores! And first Blackhawk goal, Dominic Kubelik! there fires, stopped in front, shot, rebound, scores!
0: Chris Bowden and Scott King break down the latest storylines surrounding your favorite Chicago hockey team. Welcome back to the Windy City, Andrew Shaw! Now, here they are. Chris Bowden. And Scott King. Hi again, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the latest edition of a Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Scott King and myself, Chris Bowden, coming to you from the United Center after the Blackhawks snapped their 0-3-1 slump with a 5-1 victory over the LA Kings. And uh, just a quick thought here before we dive in a little bit deeper, Scott, much, much needed after the end of this stretch where... Seven in a row at home, eight of nine after this game on Sunday night, and now you're gonna play seven of the next nine on the road. You had to start worrying even though we're less than a month into the division starts the division and the conference starts getting away from you. And this is only two points, and it came against a weaker team, but they've been a lot more concerned if they didn't come away with this as they score a season high five goals.
2: Yeah, all of a sudden, you know, after last year, heading into this year everyone suspected and thought the defense might be the problem even even though Bowman made some good moves and got some good solid defensemen over here and then you know we're sitting here scratching our heads that the offense is the problem and finally on Sunday night the floodgates opened but it opened against a uh, not so great team in the LA Kings so we're not out of the woods yet with the scoring I think obviously some some major steps are taking a lot of positives uh Alex uh, Nylander making a lot of great plays, even improved on defense, according to Colleton himself. And uh, look, not not only did, did the team play better on Sunday, but I thought I thought Colleton finally did something that maybe he should have done a long time ago. You know, maybe he didn't have to put Strom to Brinkin and Kane all together, because he liked the work that Ryan Carpenter did for them up the middle, mm-hmm. uh, freeing things up for them. So maybe those guys can stay together, but I think we we saw Sunday night you definitely need Stroman to bring it together.
0: Yeah. yeah, at least those two guys were able to break out of it, and uh, especially after... You could tell it was kind of wearing on them, and it's still wearing it, probably on Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. Kane picked up an assist, but Taves was held off the score sheet, so we'll get into that a little bit more. But you mentioned the caveat was it came against a Kings team that was last in the league in goals against average at four. They were last in the league in save percentage. Their save percentage was 860 coming <laughs> coming into this game. So you do it with that caveat. It's also the 28th-ranked power play in the league as well. Blackhawks have their own issues on special teams, too. Before we proceed, we want to give a shout-out once again to FanList. Blackhawks Crazy Podcast is sponsored by FanList. FanList is the best platform for season ticket holders to sell their tickets. Are you a Blackhawks season ticket holder who sells multiple games? Get over to fanlist.com slash Blackhawks Crazy. It's spelled F-A-N-L-Y-S-T. Dot .com Fanlist partners with multiple ticket marketplaces and lists tickets for sale across all marketplaces all at once. Sites like StubHub, Vivid Seats, SeatGeek, GameTime and many more. And they do all the work. Multiple marketplaces will increase your ticket exposure causing tickets to sell faster and for higher prices. Plus Fanlist is free to use. Registration and listing tickets are free when tickets sell FanList charges the industry standard 15% of the final sale price. It's the same rate that all those uh, major marketplaces charge. There are no hidden costs or added fees to use FanList. It's the best way for you as a season ticket holder to sell your tickets. Go to FanList.com slash Blackhawkscrazy to receive a $20 bonus on your first sale. F-A-N-L-Y-S-T dot com slash Blackhawks Crazy. Really appreciative once again of FanLess being a uh, presenting sponsor here of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. So, You mentioned the... I I don't know if it was a degree of tension, but a degree of Jeremy Carlton after that horrid game against the Philadelphia Flyers last Thursday, more or less being matter-of-fact, stating right there and throwing it on the table what he needs from some of his players, some of his players who have won Stanley Cups, and I don't think it's a shock to anybody because when you look at the lines that have been most consistent through the first eight, nine, ten games of the season, it were the lines that were constituted as the third or fourth lines. And the big guns that all we thought were going to be money in the bank have gotten off to slow starts. And I, I think it startled a whole lot of people that, you know, we weren't even thinking twice that that Taves and Kane and Dabrinkit and to a certain extent Strom and Gustafson would be able to at least put up numbers somewhat comparable. But they have all gotten off the slow starts, and that no doubt has been a factor of this team kind of treading water and trying to keep its head above water until those guys start
3: clicking again.
2: That was a story, especially lately, heading into Sunday, was the top guys not producing. and Like you alluded to, after Thursday's game, Calton didn't come right out and say... Kane, Taves, it, Strom, I need more. Top guys. He he didn't come right out and say, I need more from you guys specifically. He said the third and fourth lines, the bottom six have been producing and and doing what they're supposed to do, kind of need everyone else to get on board, is what he basically said. So that was said on Thursday, and then here we are two games later on Sunday, and Brent Seabrook gets the second scratch of his career. Um, First one came uh, last year in January. Uh, January 2018. So, to me, that's 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 challenging those top guys, not just the top guys that produce, but your your leadership core, the guys that have won three cups. And it was a bold move. And I think they got what they needed out of it Sunday. I, I think, look, there's a possibility that can backfire. If, if they have another bad loss against a bad team in the Kings, then you have the players not... Buying into maybe that mentality or addressing things that way, but now you get a good win, even though it's against a bad team. A lot of goals, you're scoring again. You're, some of your top guys are scoring, and then you're heading on the road with confidence now. Yeah,
0: and you know, the the one thing he pointed out was you know playing the right way, playing a commitment to uh, defense puck control, puck management, and that will create the offensive opportunities. That's the one thing he was trying to uh, instill and emphasize that those third and fourth lines, as they were previously constituted, they were doing the job that way. And he wasn't getting enough. And one thing should lead to another if people were wondering about um, why these guys have been so quiet. But to their credit, after Jeremy said that, when we were at practice on Friday, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves... They both continued to acknowledge that they needed to be better, that they're on the same page with the message that Jeremy was presenting both to the media and presenting to them behind closed doors. And I love to hear Patrick Kane say, I want to be part of the solution to this. And then after a disappointing game on Saturday in Raleigh against the Carolina Hurricanes in which they were shut out, who faced the music afterwards, it was Kane, Taves, and Debrinket, all once acknowledging the frustration factor uh, having difficulty waiting until they finally can snap out of things, and at least Debrinkit and Strom were able to do that. And even when I talked to him on Sunday morning at the at the optional morning skate, Dylan Strom, I could tell he wasn't crazy about talking to me because I had put in a request. But he said, "I had an opportunity in Saturday's game when it was when it was a one nothing game in the second period. I had a breakaway, and I couldn't I couldn't I, I shot wide." and I have to be better than that. So all these guys, no matter what Jeremy's saying publicly, at least publicly back to us, are acknowledging that they have to be better. So that's what Strome told me uh, before the game, and then it just so turns out that as we're sitting here on Sunday night, he has a three-point night after having four in the first nine games. Alex Dobrinkit, Reunited on the same line with Strom, has a three-point night with a goal and two assists after having four points in the first nine games. And Ryan Carpenter did a real nice job centering. We should you know, mention mention also that Strom has been moved over to wing, whether he's playing with Kirby Dock or whether he was playing with Ryan Carpenter in this case. So that's an adjustment factor. But if he was playing good enough at center, there's no doubt he would have been staying there. So Jeremy felt the need to move him around look at some different combinations and potential solutions, and at least for Strom and Debrinkit, it was a solution on Sunday night. And let's hear from Dylan Strom again after his two-goal effort along with an assist, a great assist to set up Alex Debrinkit's goal uh, in a little bit better mood after the 5-1 victory.
3: Getting back with Brinksy must be nice too, huh? Kind of old feels again. Yeah, I think uh, you
4: know, we're just, you know, we kind of find, find each other pretty easily. I um, thought so we were uh, you know excited before the game to to get back together, and um, he's obviously a great player, so um, you know tonight he found me a few times, and I uh, paid him back for one there in the slot. So um, it's nice to you know be back on his line, and um, you know, a little different with uh, you know, with Carpi at center, but he's uh, very easy to play with. So um, you know, it's, it's fun to play with him. He's
1: been great on the draws this year, huh?
4: Yeah, yes. He he's you know he, he does all the little things well. It kind of gives us a little bit of freedom to to play a little offense, and um, he's so good defensively. So um, you know, he made a nice play on the brings his brings his goal so um no he's he's uh, you know a really good really good player you feeling better on the wing after a few tries yeah i think um you no know, finding ways to get the puck i think that's the biggest thing um you no know, obviously as a center you have the puck you know probably the most out of any guy on the ice and when you're a wing you you don't get it as much so you got to you know, kind of you know create ways to get the puck so feel like i've you know trying to do that a little bit better um once you just get a little bit familiar with it you you can do it i've really never played wing before i think you know maybe a few times last year and a few times in arizona but probably five games under combined in my life so um i'm trying to get used to it and you know felt pretty good tonight make a win heading in a road trip. Yeah, I think anytime you can get a win before, you know, even if it's just a one game road trip, I think uh, the fans are loud tonight so you know it's uh, obviously not not the easiest road trip with uh, you know, a few good teams that are playing well. So San Jose has been playing pretty good of recent and uh, you know Anaheim's doing great and the uh, Nashville's you know Nashville so um Obviously, those teams are are, are, are good teams, and you know, we we got to go into a tough buildings. So nice to get one on the road first, and hopefully we can get uh, you know three or four, hopefully four or four on the road.
2: over lead the whole game. done
1: for a long
4: time. Yeah, I feel like we just kind of you know continued to to step on it. I think we we. we you know we got that first goal pretty early and then um, you know, I still think we had a really good first period and then you know midway through the second ish I think a little little before midway um, you know Campy gets that goal and finally that line got rewarded they um, been playing great and um, the coaches loving the way they're playing, and uh, you know, Camfie does a lot of good things. So nice to see him get rewarded, and then um, a couple quick ones after that. So um, play with the lead; um, it's definitely nice um, instead of chasing the game. So play with the lead, but I think this time was the biggest thing we didn't sit back. Um, maybe a little bit in the third, but. Still found a way to you know, keep a three-goal lead and and uh, you know, get, get get a late one there. With you and
3: Brandon, chemistry.
4: Ah, <laughs> uh, just playing together for a long time. I think we're we're great friends off the ice. Um, so it just just helps on the ice. I mean, obviously love playing with the guy. He's uh, really skilled. Um, we find each other, and um, the people was looking for us all, all night. So I think you know, when you get that combo, I think um, you know, we we held on the pucks and made some plays and and uh, you know, got rewarded with, with a little, little bit more ice time. So um, I definitely felt good. I think of those.
0: Four guys we've been discussing so much here at the start of the season, perhaps it may have been weighing most heavily on Dylan Strome because his body of work isn't as great as a Taves or a Kane, and to a lesser extent, a Brinkett. His flash came after being acquired by the Hawks in November, playing as good as he has at this level. So if there was a guy wondering, when, you know. It, am I going back to my Arizona days or am I going back how can I get back to the Blackhawk ways I think maybe it may, may have been weighing a bit more on him than perhaps some of the other guys but make no mistake it does bother 19 and 88 and number 12 before uh, Sunday night so and you had something else you wanted to add before we hear from from Dabrinka too after he snapped out of things on Sunday.
2: Yeah just talk about all these top guys that you know can have uh, an elite scoring prowess I wanted to kind of clarify that Kane you know people here are slumping Kane in with them might, that pay attention might say well he's got he's got some goals and some assists yeah he's got three goals six assists nine points in ten games but I think it's fair to ask for more from him because he's a guy you expect to get a hundred or more points a season he has that he's that elite he's one of the top players in the league so and even he like you said has been uh asking for more from himself mm-hmm. and
0: the other thing you notice too, though, is is that even if he hasn't scored in the past, the chances seem regularly there. And I think over the course of you know yeah. maybe game from game three up until game seven, eight, nine, you didn't see those dangerous chances either from Kane or Taves, whether they were together or separated.
2: His, Kane's game has been a little quiet. Yeah. That's you don't see those dynamic spinoramas or just that vision going to work and creating space yeah he's been a little unnoticeable for him still with almost a point of game and we
0: trust that it's eventually going to come uh but this is just taking longer than usual you you would think that after the seasons that they had last year uh the Kane and Taves numbers will eventually evolve and we'll start seeing them as we know them a little bit more but we heard from Strom and let's hear from uh, Alex to who Seemed to sound a little bit more relieved and had a little bit more of a smile on his face after Sunday's five-one victory.
5: We got bounces today, so um, if we keep doing that, I think we're, we're going to keep scoring goals and keep winning games. You have Dylan I wasn't the greatest pass. I think, know, uh, hard back pressure is kind of a tough play. So, um, you know, maybe I'll make a better pass next time.
0: Would you have shot if you didn't have two goals? <laughs> <laughs>
5: no, I don't think so. I think. Uh, Anytime it's a two-on, all you're you're, you're a thinking pass right away. So, um, I mean, just kind of the way it worked out. It was st- sticking a little bit and um, couldn't make it in this wheelhouse. Sorry if this was asked already, but what allowed this team to, to keep the foot on the pedal today? Because you guys have gotten off to good starts, but the consistency was there today. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, I think we've played good first and second periods, like you said, good starts. And um, I mean, pucks was we're bouncing our way today. I think. A lot. These these past few games, it's been tough to score, and um, getting that one early it really um, helped our confidence. And um, I think we just need to keep going with that.
2: How important was it to win one going in our road trip? It
5: should be pretty tough. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's really important. I think um, get the confidence up, um, know we can win before we're on the road, and um, I mean if we play. Um, full 60 minutes we're, we're gonna have a good chance to win every night so if we can keep doing that we're uh we're in pretty good shape
2: it yeah. you the hockey guts have a way of smiling sometimes and i
1: think they did tonight i thought it was coming for a while i said before positives about way the negatives. you guys get rewarded for that tonight use that as a little bit of momentum maybe
5: yeah for sure um we haven't really gotten the bounces the past few games and today they were coming our way so um if we can Keep rolling with that. We're gonna, you know, score a lot of goals, and um, like I said, hopefully get a lot of wins and um, go on a streak here.
0: Scott, let's circle back to the topic we alluded to a little bit earlier on, because the other eyebrow raiser uh, on Sunday was the fact that uh, that Brent Seabrook was in fact a uh, a healthy scratch, and we kind of wondered about that when we saw him among those. You know, long-time veteran players who decided to partake in the morning skate. It kind of thought you made, made you think, hmm, is Brent going to be a scratch tonight? And in fact, he was. So I'm sure it had to be a tough decision for Jeremy to do that. He gives Dennis Gilbert another opportunity, but we all saw how strong Gilbert's camp was. And with the exception of, um, you know, the the pizza pie that he served up in the first period in Prague that led to the f- first goal of the season against the Blackhawks. Pretty solid, goes back to Rockford and does his thing, and he shows up, gets the opportunity, and in a pairing that he had with, uh, let's see, Gilbert was with Gustafson um, on Sunday night. So Gilbert ends up playing a shade under 17 minutes and collects a team-high eight hits, and physicality helped lead to the Blackhawks' really taking control of this game, because you could see what an asset that it was. Blackhawks have struggled second period all season long, but they had, what was it, 19 hits, I believe, in the second period of this game against the Kings, who did seem to control the first few minutes of that second period, and then the tide changed as the Blackhawks got more physical, and then they were able to add, bang, bang, those two goals in the final four minutes or so of the second period. And Gilbert looked very much at home. Uh, And another guy who who impressed with the opportunity, picking up two assists, he was a plus four. I joked on the post-game show, watch out, John Carlson. Slater cuckoo with two assists and was a plus four on the night. All these guys hungry for opportunities. And I'm not saying Brent isn't, isn't hungry anymore or anything like that. But you have some guys pushing for playing time, and Jeremy is still in the process of Finding out what's going to be best for this team, especially in the eight ball that they have put themselves behind. And, you know, it, it's going to be a situation that he's going to have to manage. It's going to be interesting here moving
2: forward. Yeah, and when Jeremy was asked about it following Sunday's game, you know, is Zebra coming back in? He said, uh, we haven't talked about it yet don't need a decision till tuesday so it's not it's not wham bam he's right back in like you said these guys are pushing for playing time and they're impressing gilbert aside from the physicality i think he's he plays a real dependable game when he's not serving pizza pies in, in, in Prague. <laughs> yeah and uh yeah just talking to him after the morning skate on sunday he uh He's kind of maybe a little more even inspired by the way the Blues played their, their blue line and to win the cup, you know, physical and strong on pucks, but still responsible. and I think that's how his game looks, and he can be he's shown on Sunday uh, a little bit in Prague, aside from you know just one big mistake, but definitely in training camp that he could be a good, dependable defenseman for the Hawks. And, and
0: he bounced back from that mistake in that game in Prague, and then Connor Murphy came back. and Connor Murphy played really well when he was paired with Duncan Keith, now he's on. Uh, the long-term injury list for at least 10 games. So I, I that has to be a concern with as solid as Connor Murphy had been really through the course of last season after he got healthy from his missing the first month or month and a half or so of the season and how he had been playing since returning from that first groin injury here. Dennis Gilbert was also super complimentary of Kirby Dock because uh, Gilbert was back in Rockford when Doc was serving his conditioning stint. And I played a bite on the pregame show about how impressed he is with this kid at the age of 18, how he's handled to um, turn around play, turn around momentum during his shifts. And Gilbert is already five years older than Kirby Doc. So it's almost like an elder statesman talking about Doc. But uh, Kirby, another solid game for the most part on Sunday against the LA Kings. He's at the five-game mark. You know, no one's willing to answer whether it's only going to be nine in a decision or whether a decision has already been made that he may be here long term. They do have four games to decide. But you will hear Jeremy Carlton here in the postgame uh, talk about the Seabrook decision, talk a little bit more about Doc and his assessment on how he's playing five games in. And he first here talks about his uh, re- initial reaction opening the press conference to getting back in the wind column after that O three and one stretch. Immediately after you hear from Jeremy, we will go to your hashtag slapshot questions that you uh, fired our way here on Sunday. But first, here's Blackhawks head coach Jeremy Colleton Sunday night.
3: Okay. Um, obviously, uh, pleased for the guys to get rewarded um, for think a pretty good effort wasn't perfect of course it rarely is but uh you know it wasn't so different than probably you know the washington game the vegas game um parts of carolina but the puck went in the net for us which was a big boost um, lift probably lifted a little bit of a load off some of those guys shoulders and um and we got a little bit of of uh, positive reinforcement for some of the good things they've been doing, and we got to build on it though. And uh, we've talked about consistency. I think um, part of the part of the thing we want to do is when you play well and you don't get rewarded right away, to stick with it. And um, I think if we continue to do that after getting a win, then maybe we can string one string a streak together. So. Uh, a lot of positives, a lot of good performances, and now we got to build on it.
2: You not only scored, but you scored early and played with a, a nice lead for most of the game. How much of an impact did that have, and not having had that, has that impacted
3: the team? Yeah, it's uh, it's a jolt of confidence to see the puck go in the net. And to our credit, I thought we were pretty good defensively um, throughout. You know, they got a few chances in the third i thought we weren't quite as good in the third as we were in the first two periods but uh we we got a goal and we built on it and we kept playing and i think like you know we had multiple lines that were um giving us positive shifts uh i thought habits were were quite good playing in the offensive zone so that's what we need
5: what went behind the decision to pair up to break in strome again on the fourth line
3: well, uh, they've obviously played well together in the past, and uh, we thought you know putting Carpenter there would give them a bit of protection defensively. Carpenter is a guy who would eat us a lot of things right away from the puck. He's very he rarely takes a wrong decision in the defensive zone. He can win face-offs, and Stromer can help him. I mean, he's comfortable playing low, and he can take face-offs, but I think it frees those other two up to um, push the pace and make some more plays and have the puck more. Think it seems like whatever line Carpenter's been on this year, they have the puck a lot, and uh, so work tonight. We'll see. Do you see Strom as a winger in the long term, or is this a temporary solution? We'll see. Uh, I think we have a bunch of guys who can play center, and obviously Kirby, uh, we're breaking him in, and we probably see him as a center down the road. So um, it would be good if we had guys who were comfortable doing you know either way, and uh, then you kind of let the lineup dictate who's going to play where. The D? Yeah. No, oh, they were. I thought we were good. Uh, pretty, pretty simple. Made enough plays, but uh, I thought our gap was pretty good. We, we were able to get stops in D zone. Uh, we didn't have to spend that much time in there, and I think that helped our forwards. So, um, good performance. The difference
2: between going on this trip
3: with a loss as opposed well to a win must be pretty huge. No question. Um, you know, we kind of laid it out for these guys before the game. Um, we lost four in a row, but uh, over that whole stretch, we've I think we've had our had enough good play that we should have been rewarded with more. You hate going back to that well too often; uh, it gets worse thin. So um, again, it just helps helps the mood, helps the energy. Guys can be happy on the plane tomorrow, and then we get ready for a really big test in Nashville. Typically, wouldn't change the lineup much after after a win, but what do you do with Brent Seabrook in that situation? Yeah, we haven't talked about it. Um, we got till Tuesday.
1: Elander uh, had he, that
2: pretty good offensive play. His back checking seemed like he was working. What, what what have you seen from him?
3: Yeah, he's for me. He's been really good, very consistently. Um, I don't know how many games it's been, but uh, feel quite comfortable with him on the ice. I thought he was excellent in Carolina. Also, uh, you know, could have easily had a couple points, created a bunch of chances, basically by himself with his work ethic, and. Uh, when a, when a guy as talented as he is wants to work, he's, he's going to be a pretty good player. That's I think that's the case right now.
1: Five games in, what do, where do you, how do you assess that?
3: I think he's been good. He's um, It's not all going to be perfect. It's hard, uh, you know, especially playing center. It's a difficult uh, league. There's big boys, and it's you know hard in defensive zone and hard to win 50-50s. But he protects the puck extremely well. Uh, he often... When he does get possession, he often makes a, a play. He doesn't just throw it away. He advances it cleanly, uh, get, puts his line mates in good situations. So um, we're going to continue to talk about, you know, his, his um, play away from the puck, putting pressure on the puck, getting to full speed without the puck. Because when he does that, he creates turnovers. Then he doesn't have to be in D zone. So um, so far so good though.
4: You you him, down. Would you ever declare him that he's going to play here the rest of the season before the night of or are you
3: guys going to wait? I wouldn't do that without uh, Stan and I having a conversation. No question about that.
2: Is he, uh, I'm sorry, is he faster than
3: maybe you know the reports on him? He's yeah, I, he's good I, on him? I think so. I mean, I don't know what the reports are, but I never heard that he is a great skater and I think he is. I think he is a great skater he uh, especially in open ice once he once he gets wound up uh, he can catch guys he can pass guys he can close on guys uh, that's why I think he he can be a great four checker uh, he's got to get to full speed when he does it's uh, I think it's pretty tough to handle for a defender slapshot questions. Tweet your questions to the guys at Boat and Tweets and at Scott
0: King Media for your questions to be read on the podcast. Uh, it's always great to hear the baritone of one Ernie Skatton introducing our questions, our
2: hashtag Slapshot segments. A fan stopped me at the United Center today to say how much they like our new intro. Tim, I, I know the guy; I've met him a few times. Real nice guy, big Hawks fan. Tim Delavitt, I believe is how you say his last name. Uh, really liked the new intro. Yeah, thank you, Ernie. Well,
0: yeah, that, that's 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 how Ernie raises our game here. Just uh, just to be a part of the show, so uh, we always appreciate that. You hear you hear Ernie all the time on uh, on WGN on various spots and promotions and stuff like that so we're glad he's a part of our team so let's get to your hashtag Slapshots questions scott and i'll just kind of alternate unless we want to jump in and object and throw a punch in each other's faces when they we think the other guy's saying the wrong thing uh but uh we have at kiki's keys do you feel that doc is fitting in well with the team scott
2: i think he has just the fact that he's played in five straight games um and look, outside of, outside of his his staying here and, and his ice time in every game, dictating that he's been a good fit, you just watch him play. Not only is he highly skilled and, and involved in every play, Calton says he's got to work on his back check a little bit, but I watched a play, you might have seen it tonight, where he gets clobbered into the glass. And then I, maybe 30 seconds later, maybe not even, he's crashing the net with a puck. So yeah. you see an 18-year-old kid do that, that's... That's very promising. Well, right when
0: he got smacked in the face by the glass, uh, he had a, he had to follow a puck back down in the corner. He kind of regained his senses and went back behind the, behind the net and went for a puck battle. So it's those kind of things. As an eighteen-year-old, I think that impresses a lot of people. He's provided value so far, at least for the first five games. And you know, I think in Carolina, he was probably one of the Blackhawks' better players. So from that standpoint. I don't think anybody has a problem with him. He's fitting in well with the team as long as he continues producing this well. And you just don't know what you're going to get from an 18-year-old. But he's been steady, level, and consistent so far. Paul Barry on Facebook. Uh, I'll take this one. (laughs) Has Colleton lost the team? Where are Taves and the other senior leaders on this team as far as motivating the rest? We touched on this a little bit earlier, Paul, but... I don't think there's any fracture in here. I think what Jeremy's stating is matter-of-fact, at least publicly to us, as I said before, these guys are acknowledging that what Jeremy is putting out there in public is the same thing he's sharing in the room. And I don't think there's a way, based on the production of those guys so far, that they can you know, really have that much of a rebuttal. You know, It's one thing if the team is, win- is winning without that production, but they've been scuffling along – They've been fairly low scoring, and let's also keep in mind, they enjoyed their greatest success and their greatest offensive output, perhaps of their careers from an individual standpoint, after Jeremy took over last year. So if you're going to look at things one way, you also have to look at them the other way. I don't think there's any great divide here. I think uh, those two guys are mature enough to know, and they're frustrated enough to know, that... They have a lot more in them, and they just have to find a way to do that. It's, it's. I don't think it's any buttons that Jeremy is necessarily pushing. Um, all right, you get the next tough one from your uh, Facebook top fan, Mar- uh, marcine Marcin, Marcin.
2: See. Oh, you know what? Yeah, there. I, I would say Mar- Marcin. Okay. I'm not sure. I think you know. I think there should be some kind of uh, horn or drum roll. I think it's a new top fan. I think they stole it from oh! Katrina. Oh,
0: uh oh, look out! Uh, And if we're getting that wrong, please send us a note with a pronunciation guide to it because we want to get it right. All right, Scott, what do you do with Seabrook? Four more years on the contract.
2: Oh, yeah, that's not an easy question to answer. Um, Yeah, four years, what, 400 games, I I think, tactically. Um, Look, you know, he only scratched for the second time here on Sunday in his career, but you have to imagine there's going to be more of that just because any player, especially – Defenseman in today's game, when you get up there in age, you're just gonna play less, and then like everyone else, you know, you're you're not gonna be in the game anyway. It's just, The time passes everyone by, right? So there's not a whole lot of options. I don't I don't think he, I don't think he's gonna be regularly scratched. I think here and there, maybe for a rest when they want to give a, a better opportunity or, or look to some guys like a, a Dennis Gilbert. But I mean, in terms of few years from now or is he going to finish out his contract I, I don't i think it's obvious he's not going to fit out finish out his contract but then what happens does he does do you get someone to take his contract and throw in throwing in a prospect as a sweetener in some kind of trade maybe do you buy him out uh, whenever maybe so it, it's hard to tell but i think you know you can you can expect at least a few more scratches this year if not just to give some other younger guys more opportunity
0: it's a sensitive topic because he has provided so much through all those cup runs he's been a factor one of the you know greatest Blackhawks of all time I don't know you know when when they raised you know jerseys to the rafters maybe just like they did with Magnuson and Palat there'll be a Seabrook slash Chelios one up there and Uh, Is he the player he was five years ago? No, I I think that's fairly obvious to say. Is he going to be a regular scratch? I doubt that either because, let's face it, there are other concerns here on the blue line, uh, at least for this season, until... The Ian Mitchells already next year, until the Adam Boquists are ready. You know, there are going to have to be other guys who regularly grab hold of some of these roles and positions. Uh, And, you know, we see an Eric Gustafson struggling a little bit this season. He's not the same player, he's been fighting the puck a little bit. So I think there are going to be openings as well where. Um, you know, he's going to slot in for a while. perhaps he's not going to be able to continue uh, playing at the same regularity, but I think there are going to be some points where. You won't see him in the lineup, then he's going to be rotated back in. All right, uh, final question. I'll take this one. Rich Marino on Facebook. Will Taves get demoted from the top lines on the PP and PK, which are both poorly rated? I don't think you can lay this all at Jonathan Taves' line again. I think people are too quick to uh, pull the trigger on – some of these guys who just last year had career years and had the best careers of their lives, and just because the first three weeks have not gone the way they would have liked, I think eventually we're going to see Jonathan Taves get back in a groove and become closer to the player that we all know that he can be. And you're going to have to—you can't just have knee-jerk reactions and and start yanking some of you know the best players on your roster, even if they may not be performing that way. Uh, all of a sudden pull the trigger and 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 pull them off of top power player or penalty kill units they're still among the best assets that you have are they performing the, the way they want and in Jonathan cases and Jonathan's case he'll tell you straight to your face uh, no that he hasn't been so far but who are you going to put who are you going to put on there to replace you know on <laughs> the penalty kill for all those responsibilities On the face-off dot for important face-offs and um you know, I don't think I don't think uh, David Camp, Ryan Carpenter, Drake Cajula, Alex Nealander yet are ready to come over and uh, and bump him off top power play units or top line. So that's personal opinion there. Uh, let's let's give this time, and I know people are anxious. They want this season to turn around. And even though it's sputtering at the start, uh, let's not get too carried away. So thank you for all your questions. Sunday just wasn't the Blackhawks and Kings. It was also the Blackhawks Hockey Fights Cancer Night. They're doing it a little bit ahead of Hockey Fights Cancer Month, which is usually November. But uh, Eddie Olchek is going to be the league's ambassador for Hockey Fights Cancer Month. And uh, with the Hawks' usual night, what they've been doing the last couple of years is having a purple carpet event for... Uh, Those fans who are currently in a battle with cancer, are in remission, um, or are involved with a friend or a loved one who has either gone through the battle successfully or unsuccessfully or is in one right now, honoring all those people in the atrium prior to the game. And Eddie Olczyk hosted that event. He also helped uh, sign some of his uh, new memoir as well. And We had a chance, Scott and I did uh, last week, actually I think it was prior to the Philadelphia game, to catch up with Eddie, to talk a little bit about his book and the honor of being the league's ambassador for hockey fights cancer in lieu of what he went through a couple of years ago, making it through stage three colon cancer. We're chopping this up into two parts. We'll get about 10 minutes here on this podcast, and on our next one, which comes your way next Monday, we'll play the second half of this interview and uh, share that with you at this time. So here's Eddie talking about uh, some of the uh, uh, stories and how he went about writing his book, but also talking about the impact of him having such a, a high honor and being the league's ambassador for Hockey Fights Cancer Month.
1: Yeah, to be the ambassador for Hockey Fights Cancer is, uh, is very honoring, very humbling, and uh, when the league called in the summertime and asked me if I would... You know, take on that role. Uh, I mean, it was. I mean, it was emotional just for the fact of everything that's gone on here in the last couple of years for me. But to uh, hopefully bring hope to somebody out there um, that knows my story, and you know, I think the league has done an amazing job of uh, this initiative with Hockey Fights Cancer since 1998, and all the money. But even more so, the money. I think it's just the awareness and the hope that it brings, and. know the teams have bought in and i know what the hawks do i mean being a part of the ceremony last couple of years has been very emotional and uh uh, it, it hits home and you know maybe i mean maybe i know someday when we rid ourselves of this disease that um the league can can feel very good about what they've done i think it's the greatest initiative the league has done so i'm very proud to be a part of it and uh Looking, looking forward to the month, and uh, you know, cancer will always be with Eddie Olchek, and uh, it just happens to be I get to uh, maybe wear a little bit taller of a hat, and uh, I got a new suit with the uh, in the uh, the inside lining of it with the hockey fights cancer, which was nice. So, uh, and I'll be probably displaying that on the uh, on hockey fights cancer uh, Sunday here at the United Center. Uh,
0: was there a book in Eddie Olczyk before cancer, or is this yeah. book a byproduct?
1: Yeah, yeah I, th- I think there was, but. I think, and no pun intended, I think once I got sick, that was the final chapter to, for the decision to do the book. Um, you know, I, I mean, I've been very lucky. I've had an incredible life both on and off the ice. Everything I have, I owe to the game of hockey. You know, I lived a dream. I grew up here. All I ever wanted to do was to be a Blackhawk, and I was able to live that. And I had a lot of adversity in my life, and, you know, I thought there was a story there, but I think what brought it all together in one way or another and i i would say look i'm glad i'm the one that got stage three colon cancer but there's a story here and if i can help if i can inspire one person to deal with it stay away from it or just get through the day then it was well worth the 16 months of pen the paper to do it and you know i think you'll laugh i think you'll cry and i think you'll love a little bit more if you read the book and uh if if one person's life can change in a positive way then it was well worth it so um I think there was a book in the offering, um, but what put it over the top was me getting sick and then uh, now being on the right side of the grass to be able to tell the story.
2: In your book, Beating the Odds, one of the things you talk about is is the outpouring of support, obviously from the fans when you went through what you did. As surprising and and touching as that was, was, isn't it kind of on par, though, with, with the way the fans always received you in your playing career and also in your broadcasting career?
1: Well, I, I mean, I think that when you are so, you know, in the so-called public eye, and you know, people, you know, they they, they feel for you, they 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 worry for you, um, they're living this with you. Um, in the world we live in now, I mean, there there seems to be even more of a connection with, you know, people that are in the public eye. And look, and having been a, being a Chicago guy and having played here and now broadcast the games here for the last you know fourteen years, which is really hard to believe um you know you, you just i, I just did just it made me and my family just so appreciative for the people that i didn't know reach out and know that you know there are people out there pulling for me and praying for me and you know mass cards and notes and cards and emails and phone calls and messages and just people i come across because look cancer does not discriminate it it sadly touches us all so i mean for me uh the support i couldn't have done it by myself and when i got on tv with pat and talked about the the, the sickness and the disease and then when i came back and told everybody i was cancer free i think the exact words i use is that we we did this like we we beat it and uh, i couldn't have done it by myself there's no doubt um but you know first and foremost my wife uh, diana was the she was the rock and she was the one that uh Kept me up when I was ready to break, and uh, the caretakers and caregivers are so important in this battle. And that's something I talk about in a book. But also, my wife and I are really trying to make more people aware that the caretakers and caregivers are going through a lot too. And we got to make sure we're looking after them, whether it's a text or an email or a call, and saying, "Hey, how you doing?" You know, like I'm with you. And because I never saw my wife weak around me, and never saw her down, and never saw her worried. But I know that when she wasn't around me, she was worried and like what's going to happen to him so that's when she let her guard down so we got to make sure not only taking per- care of the person that are sick or in the battle but also the caretakers and caregivers
2: you mentioned pat it was important for him when you're going through this to call you every day. that's how he want to yeah, deal with it and yeah. he said that he'd tell you jokes and try to get you laughing yeah. under the circumstances yeah. were you getting Foley's a material
1: uh you know what i got his a plus plus material and he always made me smile and sometimes he made me cry just because he was checking in on me and he knew when i was having good days and bad days you know i've known pat for a long time i I mean i knew pat before we knew each other because of of course i listened to him and dale all those years doing the games but um he can't I, i would never underestimate anything but the support that i had from my partner um for being there every day rain or shine good or bad and then you know when he threw out the first pitch at the cup game there a couple of years ago when i was first diagnosed uh that was really hard like that was one of the hardest things i i i went through was seeing that because i'm thinking like well geez, is this how it's going to end you know like there he is holding up a cubs jersey with old check 16 on the back and the crowd is going crazy and he's honoring me in that way and it just like my my wife and i were watching and i didn't know i knew he was going to be there but i didn't know he was going to do that and uh we like i seemed like i felt like i cried for such a long time but uh, his friendship never wavered Uh, he was always positive Uh, we talked a lot about just whatever was on the docket and like I said there wasn't a day go by that he did not reach out and uh, um, I'm forever grateful for my partner the great Pat Foley for for looking after me at really my weakest time
0: how much new material is in here that you've never shared publicly i mean is there is there a lot of nuggets that uh, that fans may not be aware of
1: yeah i mean i you know what i, I really believe that um i you know, I, I left it out there. I, there's nothing, especially with the cancer battle. I mean, I talk about my side effects and what it did to me and where I was in my life. And look, I'm still scared. I'm, I'm still scared of, 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 of what has happened to me. And you know, anytime I go back for a doctor, I'm always just there, you know, there's hesitation, but, um, you know, there's a lot about me as a kid and my family and going through hockey and hockey stories. And of course, horse racing is a big part of my life. So, uh, you know, I, I I mean, I'd like to think that people that maybe don't know me as well, maybe know me a little bit better when they get, this, get through this book. But I mean, I believe is that you will love, I think you'll love a little bit more. And I think that's probably the one thing in the book I'm, I'm hoping to get accomplished is that uh, when I was going through my illness, um, I was very much at peace. I didn't know what was going to happen at the end of the six months. And I think why I was at peace was because the most important people in my life always knew how I felt about them, and I've always had my wife would always tell me, "Ah, nothing's going to happen." I said, "Look, I've always want you to know is that look if something would happen to me, you you tell me you know how much you mean to me, and you're the best thing that's happened to me, and I love you and our kids more than anything." And it's the same reaction of most people, ah, nothing's going to happen. You're gonna, but I was at peace because I didn't know what was going to happen six months after, and. I was at ease when I was going through that battle. Believe it or not, even though it broke me down and it brought me to my knees, and I was ready to quit because of the side effects. I reflected, I had enough quiet time to last me a lifetime, and I was able to look back and go, "You know what? Look, if my time is up, my family knows how I feel about them and the people in my circle." And I always say to my to my wife and to my kids, it's like, you know, it would it would kill me if I wasn't here that you didn't know." What you've meant to me in my life and that's what i talk about maybe loving a little bit more because you know in the big picture like when coach collaton or coach Neggy or manager ross <laughs> says you know oh, this guy's banged up a little bit uh, you know he's day-to-day well i mean aren't we all really in the big picture day-to-day so that's kind of where i go but you know i i think i think you will laugh a little bit i think you'll cry and like i said i think you'll love a little bit more and uh I think if people think they know who Eddie Olchek is, I think after reading the book, I think they'll get even a better picture, and uh, hopefully they enjoy it. Uh, and and yes, I know there are no crayons with this book. Okay, There's a <laughs> or lot of serve ice cream. Well, no, no, maybe a little scratch and sniff in this book, but a lot of my former friends, I say they asked if there were crayons with this book, and I'm like, okay, real funny guys. So uh, I'm I'm proud of it, and uh, probably be the only one I do. Um, but uh, it's uh, it's something that. Uh, you know, I just kind of put my heart and soul into, and and I actually did do I d- actually did uh, the exercise of pen to paper. Because anybody that knows me, I'm not very good on the uh, on that thing called the computer or that world wide or that world wide web thing.
0: <laughs> Thanks, to Eddie O. As always, always a great storyteller, and there are more stories to come in the second half. He relates uh, one of the stories in the book that is particularly worth a chuckle. <laughs> and how he was uh, kind of put through the ringer as as a a rookie uh, playing one of his first games at the old Chicago Stadium. Before we sign off, boy, you were all over the place on Sunday. Uh, You were uh, Mr. Popularity signing autographs. You also had a a wide-ranging menu uh, that you... Uh, put yourself through sampling some of the new fare here at the United Center. So uh, fill us in. Fill us in on uh, your little celebrity spin here on, on Sunday.
2: Well, we always tell you how they take care of us with food here, the media, at, at the United Center. And it's a few bucks for the uh, pregame meal if you want to do it. A lot of people are able to have some discipline, unlike myself, and, and wait till the uh, free meal during second intermission. But I, uh, I was hungry today. I went to the zoo in between morning skate and the game with my family. Didn't really eat much, so I was going to have the pregame meal. Well, uh, didn't have enough cash, so I uh, thought I'd use my old credit card at the new Little Goat restaurant, the United uh-huh. Center, which you got to sample for free. I'm very jealous. Um, but it was delicious. I had the short rib tacos. It's maybe the best food I've had at the United Center ever. It's so good. <laughs> and so, then. And then uh, you asked about the, the autograph, and then um, – after that, I saw a, a fan, Tessa Martin, who's been a great Blackhawks crazy fan. Uh, I think she's talking about interviewing me for a story. Uh, she's in school for uh, her school paper, I believe. So she sent me a message, and uh, she said, I'm in the 300 level, just want to say hi. So of course, I'll oblige a nice fan. So I went, and uh, walking over to, to say hi to her and her family, and I see the uh, NBC Sports Chicago insider, Charlie Romoliotis, Walking over, too, and I realized she arranged a double meet and greet. She's trying to meet both of her, uh, two of her favorite Blackhawks media members. So. Are, are you okay with that? Did you want exclusivity? I'm, I'm okay. You know, yeah, it's okay. It's, it was, I was a little surprised. I like Charlie. We get along, so it was nice. At least like you did. We did until I realized he's trying to two-time me with fans. Uh, no, it was, it was great meeting her and her family. Tess was very nice. And she has these Blackhawks shoes that she had a lot of player signatures on, and First she asked Charlie to sign her shoe. I think that she goes to Elmhurst College and I think Charlie went there. So they're kinda bonding over that. And I'm standing there, I'm like, I would like to sign a shoe too, you know, I'm I'm here. And she was kind enough to ask me and I signed. My space was right next to Patrick Sharp, so I apologize to Patrick Sharp for signing. I'm I'm worried about the value
0: of those shoes now after having Blackhawk sign them. Is there a
2: lot of it's not like it was a player's skate, it's her it's her foot stuff on the shoe, not Patrick Sharp's you know, it's not like if I, you know, if I if I wore a hockey glove in auction and auction it off, it's not the same as if Jonathan Taves did. Okay.
0: And in conclusion, here uh, I'm, I'm sitting there at a free moment or a timeout or something, scrolling through my tweet deck, and I see you post a picture of a half-eaten bag of pumpkin seeds too. And uh, what's up with that?
2: I baked them last night. After we uh, carve pumpkins, uh-huh. my wife and I with our kids, uh, I like to bake pumpkin seeds. But my daughter never had them before. She's four now, so she had them this morning. And uh, she really enjoyed them. And I go, oh, great. And I was just talking to my wife. We go, I think you know, I think you know, put too much olive oil. I think they're, they're having trouble cooking. I think they're a little undercooked. And I guess when I left for the morning skate, my daughter said to my mom, they're a little undercooked. <laughs> four years old. Okay. <laughs> he knows, but I ate them uh, all there in the second period. Well, the pum- bank I brought.
0: Pumpkin seeds are so great if, if you give great. if you give them the right crispiness, yeah. uh, And okay. and, and I, like, I like them particularly salty. And then you can experiment with some other other flavors and, and things like got that. Some
2: coming your way. I'll do them right. Well, thank through.
0: you. Uh, good because my daughter carved a couple of pu- a couple of pumpkins, uh, had the seeds, and um, I helped myself to a little bit. But they weren't offered, so uh, I, I'm feeling kind of left out there. Before we uh, before we wrap up here our costumes are the kids costumes have they been determined yet for halloween
2: they're pretty good everyone's pretty satisfied uh did both the zoo at brookfield zoo today they're both in costume my son almost two is uh started his dinosaur phase he was a an orange t-rex and the mouth of the dinosaur costume kept getting in his line of sight, so he had to keep propping it up with his hands and i finally just took it off and my uh daughter, who actually has long blonde hair, was Rapunzel, and she got like kind of like a braided little uh, wig to go with it, so they, they had a lot of fun.
0: Very nice. So with Halloween coming up this week, I don't know what the weather's supposed to be like, but but please don't raid the kids' bags too much. Uh, allow them to have that. Even though you do the whole parental thing about we're, we're worried about uh, the health of your teeth. Yes. Let them have their share, okay? Don't
2: be. I, I already got into some of the candy we're supposed to give the neighbors. It's it's a whole it's a whole thing. I gotta, I get back on the treadmill. What are you going as? What are you going to be?
0: I know I'm your you you're. I'm not going as anything. A fifty six year old man. <laughs> Jeez. Although, although i would i would,
2: would uh, in to knock on my door if i'm a blackhawks fan days, in some kind of costume
0: Those days are long gone oh, my man. friend all right uh well have fun halloween uh, have fun trick-or-treating i hope uh all our blackhawk crazy podcast fans have fun trick-or-treating or partying in in whatever outfit they decided to go to and most importantly want to thank them as well again for uh, joining us here on this edition of the blackhawks crazy podcast packed with sound Packed with sound on this particular one. So appreciate it. Appreciate uh, Curtis Koch as well for producing and pasting all these pieces of the podcast together. And uh, again, uh, we encourage you to subscribe. Thanks to the golden voice of Ernie Scatton as well. We'll come again to you next week. No, there will not be a home visit from the Blackhawks. They'll still be out on the road, continuing their road trip, finishing up before it wraps up in San Jose. But uh, we'll have, what, three games under our belt, so we have to react to that, and we'll play the second half of that interview with Eddie Olchek as well. Thanks for listening, everyone. Happy Halloween. Have a great week. How about that?
1: He won it. The Hawks win the Stanley Cup.
0: Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Tell a friend subscribe and join the conversation and follow the guys on Twitter at Bowden tweets and at Scott King media. That was great.